In today's episode, you will hear the story of Lenny. Lenny is a midwife, a maternal and child health nurse, and a mum to two. She takes us through what her two pregnancies and birth were like. Before they tried to conceive with her partner, Lenny wanted to start learning about her own body and her cycles. And so she did natural family planning, which she takes us through what it looked like for her and how she was able to use this knowledge to learn about her cycle, track ovulation, and therefore conceive very quickly. Because Lenny is a midwife and a maternal and child health nurse, it was very interesting to chat to her about her pregnancy and her birth because she said that the clinical knowledge she had was contrasted with her two very different births. And what she said is that now, as a health professional, she has gained a deeper understanding into the world of pregnancy and parenting and an understanding that she didn't have before she became a mom herself. Lenny had two very different birth experiences. Her first one being a hospital birth where she did hypnobirthing and she felt quite supported during her pregnancy and her birth. But for her second child, Lenny wanted to experience what a home birth was like. And as a midwife, she knew of the benefits and the risks involved with it. But when she went to her GP to ask for a referral, she was met with a very reluctant GP who did not want to be, quote, involved in her care if she was going to have a home birth. Lenny had to find a way around that, being finding a new GP, in order for her to get the experience and the birth that she wanted. And without further ado, I will leave you with Lenny's episode, and I hope you enjoy her home birth anecdotes, which made me laugh a lot, actually. You are listening to Kappa with a Doula. I'm your host, Alicia, exercise physiologist and doula. And every week I chat with a mom or mom-to-be about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. The stories you will hear in this podcast are real and sometimes raw, but they are all told without any taboo. So grab yourself a cuppa, put your earphones in, relax and enjoy this episode. Hi, Lenny. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi. Yeah, no worries. Do you want to start by uh, telling the listeners um, your name, where you're living, and who's in your family? Yeah, so I'm Lenny. Um, I live in kind of the northeastern suburbs of um, Melbourne, uh, and I've got a husband and two beautiful daughters. So one is uh, almost three. She'll be three in July, and the other one is 11 weeks. Oh, so, yeah. So, so cute at this age. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. And so, and so we were just chatting about the fact that you're a midwife and also a maternal and child health nurse, which would come in very handy during conception, pregnancy, and afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I did my training, um, yeah, to be a, a nurse and a midwife and then got a graduate position at Monash Health. I was working as a midwife there and then, yeah, quickly kind of did my maternal and child health training 
um, basically just to get out of the hospital system because it was mm-hmm. quite overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, shift work and, yeah, a lot of obstetric emergencies and obviously being a tertiary hospital, um, yeah, Monash often got a lot of the complex pregnancies mm-hmm. from yeah. more rural areas um, down in the south. So it, it was quite a, I don't know, hit the ground running kind of start to my okay. midwifery career. Um, yeah, so then wanted to do something, I guess, that was a bit more slower paced, um, that was more about relationships with families um, and actually, I don't know, like really empowering women um, on mm-hmm. their journey yeah. um, to becoming parents. So, yeah, so quickly made that transition and I've been working as a maternal and child health nurse for the last six years, about that. So, yeah, but currently I'm mat leave with my yeah. Second daughter. So. so you were a midwife, but not in a midwifery group practice, right? So you'd be the midwife the woman meets when they're in labour, right? So I did what's called a rotating roster. So I worked through antenatal clinic, um, birthing, and postnatal. Okay. And I also did a stint in the special care nursery. So just working with um, yeah, the families and babies that were in there. Is it a draining job to be a midwife? It's pretty full on at times. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, yeah, babies are born at all times of the day. Mm-hmm. So labour ward, our ratios don't change. So you're always one-to-one with a woman in the okay. birthing suite. So, um, yeah, but you would never be able to predict it. Like sometimes it would be just flat out. Like you'd have, yeah, almost a queue for women to get into labour ward and other times mm-hmm. it would be just really quiet and you'd have yeah. – um, yeah, time to just um, restock and um, do some online learning and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit unpredictable um, in the hospital. But, yeah, obviously being now in community practice, it's much more settled. <laughs> so, it would be. Oh, well. Yeah. And so the, the people you see in the community, are they, is it mainly new moms or is it moms with um, maybe they've got almost toddler age children or variety yeah, I guess so yeah in Victoria we have um we do what's called 10 key age and stage appointments so we have more appointments early on um, mm-hmm. when the baby's really little and then it kind of spaces out as the kid gets mm-hmm. older so till they're three and a half um and then they're kind of into kinder and the school system and that kind of thing yeah so we do see a lot of um like families I guess when their babies are younger yeah um, so I work for a council in what's called a growth corridor. So we've got lots of young families living out in this mm-hmm. area. Um, so we, yeah, we do see a lot of um, new families, first-time parents. Um, as a maternal child health nurse, we host the first-time parents group. So we offer a program where first-time parents can come mm-hmm. and kind of meet in their local area. Um, and then they kind of, we hope that they stick together as a bit of a group. Um, and form some friendships kind of longer term, I guess. Oh, that's great. Yeah. See, that's that's a great program, actually, that makes sense to try and create a, a sense of communities amongst parents with similar-aged babies and children. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and we've even done post-COVID groups for families mm-hmm. with older children because, obviously, like we tried to offer uh, online parents mm-hmm. groups but that's really yeah. hard to meet new people online mm. <laughs> and yeah. kind of build a really good connection and relationship yeah. so as much as we encourage them outside of the online group to, to meet up and go for walks and stuff like that um, yeah, the reality is I think that was really hard for people yeah. so um, yeah we've offered some groups for people to I guess catch up. And so you know with you becoming a midwife and working in community and child health nurse did you always want to be a mom? Was that always on the cards for you? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. But it was something that I really wanted to plan for. So mm-hmm. um, obviously being a midwife, um, having that knowledge um, and then being a maternal and child health nurse as well kind of brought in, I guess, 
a deeper understanding of some of the complexities around becoming a parent, <laughs> that it's not a walk in the park, that it's quite challenging. Um, yeah, that you really have to lay aside, I guess, your own personal goals for a while and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really care for somebody else um, that can be really draining and really full on. So, um, yeah, so definitely something that we wanted but something that we were going to plan for. Yeah, yeah. nice. And I think, you know, as you said, I think you had the understanding of the after having baby because I think mm. and and I think I'm including myself into that but you know when you're pregnant you're like oh yeah I'm gonna have a baby but you're not understanding what's coming because you don't know what you don't yeah. know and you can only do so much research but it's kind of hard to gauge I think how much yeah time but even and- then I was I feel like I was quite naive going into it oh, really? I was like yeah I know all about baby sleep my baby's gonna sleep all night from you know two months old it's gonna be great I'm gonna go out and do all these things um and the reality was it was a real struggle my first child you know didn't sleep through until she was about 14 months so you know it was yeah. like yeah not what I had expected yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah yeah well I guess that's reassuring like 90% of the listeners that are not and don't have the knowledge you've got yeah that, that we're yeah. all in the same boat in the end Absolutely. good yeah and like it made me reflect and feel sorry for all the parents that I'd looked after before I'd become a parent and giving advice being like yeah oh, just put your baby yeah. down drowsy bit awake and you yeah. know all the mm-hmm. things that I'd learned at uni and it was like oh no so would you say now your approach when you're seeing those families you've got that uh, I guess you can relate to having a child so you've yeah. got a, a better understanding I guess absolutely yeah. Oh, wow. yeah a much deeper appreciation for what it feels like to be so sleep deprived and oh. um yeah still have to show up every day and be available for your kids so, yeah. <laughs> that's that's parenthood like summarized yeah. in one sentence yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. yeah so andy and i um before we conceived our first child we did uh, i'm not sure if you're aware of it but um natural family planning so that was like tracking mm-hmm. cycles and mm-hmm. yeah just kind of knowing more deeply um about my population and mm-hmm. um, what was going on with that and then kind of tracking mm-hmm. when we'd like to conceive and that kind of thing so yeah so we did that for three months so I had a marina in I had that taken out did three months of tracking and then kind of conceived first go really Um, but it was yeah and it was quite it was exciting but it was kind of disappointing that I'd only been able to track my cycle for three months and then we were pregnant and I was like oh okay (laughs) I didn't really I thought I'd be tracking for like six months and get a really deep understanding and then it was like oh okay there we go um, but then obviously after my first I was tracking in between kids so um and that was a really that was a good way to really understand my cycle better but three months um, you must be the the only one out there that's saying oh I'm almost disappointed I felt pregnant quickly yeah yeah Yeah, that's it yeah oh that's funny oh yeah and and I mean were you aware of your cycles before you were you know thinking about a family did you know ovulation and what it was and that not really and like I'd been on various forms of birth control um, Mm -hmm. after me and my partner got married yeah just thinking you know we don't have kids yet so I've got to Mm -hmm. use some form of contraception and so I was on the pill for a while had an implant on had a marina Mm -hmm. um, and then it was like okay we're ready and that was what triggered the kind of actually I need to know more about this I need to know Mm -hmm. more about my cycle I need to know more about conception 
Um, so we sought out a natural family planning specialist nurse um, mm-hmm. and went and had some consultations with her and she gave me, um, you know, charts and how to talk us through how to chart cycles properly. And that was really helpful. Yeah, really great way to understand it better. So yeah, it was really good. It was a really, I think, yeah, something that really helped us on our, our journey of becoming parents, even though it was like, I guess, easy to conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a lifelong skill to understand your cycles. Yes. We're not going to be having babies forever, but I'm still going to be, you know, ovulating for a while. So yep. Yep. Um, it's good to understand that and have a deeper, I guess, connection to your, your monthly cycle and what that means. So. Exactly. And I mean, obviously you want to know about your your ovulation when, when you want to conceive. But for some mm. people, tracking their ovulation is a form of contraception as well. So it's, you know, yeah. oh, I'm not ovulating. We can have unprotected sex. And then, oh, I am ovulating. There needs to maybe be something done differently unless the aim is to potentially have another child. So super important, but something that we're not yeah. taught as young no. women, young adults, uh, and that you have to discover later on in your adulthood and go, oh, I, I've had my period for 10 years. And I've never known what ovulation was until now. Yeah, exactly. And that was my experience of, okay, I don't want to have a baby. My only option is I need some form of contraception. Mm-hmm. And if I had known about natural family planning earlier, I think I probably would have done that a lot earlier and gone off all the, the medicated forms mm-hmm. of contraception. Yeah. Like they're definitely there for people who need that or just yeah. want a fit and forget kind of method. Mm. Um, you know, for me, I, when I was doing shift work at the hospital, definitely that was a very good option, yeah. um, you know. So it does take a bit of practice. It takes a bit of work. It, it took us a while to really understand my cycles and, and if I was tracking correctly. And that's why the, yeah. the specialist nurse was really helpful on that journey. Um, so I could track for a month. We went back and saw her and she was able to go through the charts and go, actually, yeah, you know, you, you actually ovulated here, not here. Mm-hmm. So like just having someone go through that was really helpful for us. Yeah. And I forced my partner to come to all the appointments. <laughs> um, so he, he's, Unfortunately, being married to a midwife and a maternal health nurse, he's probably gone through a lot than more men do in terms of um, contraception. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so he came when I had my marina put in, he came when it got taken out, um, he came to all the natural family planning appointments. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because I feel like contraception and conception is, it's a joint venture. Exactly. You know, if you're going to decide that you don't want to have a baby yet well you know you're making that decision together if yeah. you're making a decision to have a baby you're making that decision together yeah so he came along to all of those things and so he's got an understanding of all this stuff as well which is great yeah but as you said you know it's it's a joint responsibility whether you want to conceive mm-hmm. or not it's it's on yeah. both of your shoulders and that's that makes sense yeah. that he's sharing the load that's probably not half of men out there probably are not yeah. interested or don't want to know they have it but the other half is probably like no okay i'll come yeah sure and then they learn like and your husband's probably thinking mm-hmm. oh i i didn't know that i wanted to learn about this but i i'm glad i know you know what i know now it's mm-hmm. probably helping him as absolutely. well absolutely and reflecting back you know now we've got two daughters um mm-hmm. you know what a blessing it is that he has a deeper understanding of yep. what a woman's cycle is so that he can teach his daughters exactly and, yeah, that's going to be um yeah i think something that's going to be really beneficial for our family yeah yeah because it's not just mm. oh we've got a daughter oh she needs to talk to mum about you know period yeah. and, and contraception exactly. it's like well no it doesn't have to be obviously you know the mum understands yeah. more but the the dad can have 
a knowledge mm. without having a uterus it comes with. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So so you conceived after three months of tracking and then you pretty much conceived straight away. Yeah. yeah. Was that a shock in a way? Because we were tracking our cycles, I knew exactly I knew exactly when I'd conceived and yep. I started feeling nauseous pretty much as soon as it implanted, like five oh. days later. And wow. so I was like, Yeah, this is I'm pregnant. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't really a shock, but it was very exciting. So yeah. Did you know about you know your the model of care you wanted to go through? Obviously, you were midwife, yeah. so you worked. Maybe yeah. at the time you worked. In, did you still work in the hospital back then? No, I was in okay. maternal and child health at that time, so working in community. But I knew exactly yeah. what hospital I wanted, what model of care I wanted. Um, I filled out the referral form before I went to the doctor. So <laughs> um, I knew that you could download it from the website. So I downloaded it, filled it all out, oh. took it to my appointment. This was my first booking appointment with the GP. And I said, here's my referral form. This is the hospital I want. And I want midwifery group practice. Thank you very much. That's amazing. Um, that is so said, proactive. Can, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and just write up all my antenatal bloods. I'll go and get them done. You know, I was basically telling the GP what to do. So. <laughs> I'm probably the worst patient you can have. No, you're probably one of the best ones. And and that's one of the things about um, GPs, like they're great. Some yeah. are more or less informed about, you know, what to do with pregnant women, like especially in terms of referral and stuff. And so in case your GP doesn't actually know what to do, uh, then if you know, then that helps them because then they just go, oh, okay, yes, I just put your name there, assign, okay, I, okay, I fax it, yeah, cool, okay, I'll do that, done. That makes their job easy. You're yeah. out of there yeah. within five minutes because that's what they want. Um, done. That's it. Yeah. Well, they might like ask you questions and they're like, what model of care do you want? And if you've yeah. never thought about it before, you'll sit there and go, well, I don't know. You tell me. Um, so, you know, if, if you had no understanding of middle free group practice or, you know, having shared care and those that those are the options available yeah. to you, you'd probably just go with whatever the doctor recommends, which is mm. fine most of the time. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I wanted to get into midwifery group practice and that at the hospital in particular that I wanted to go to, that sometimes it can be quite full. So getting in early is always better. So. Yeah. And especially because, as you said, you're, um, you're close to Melbourne. It's probably a, a big... Um, you know, maybe it's a bigger hospital. It might, as you said, yeah. like some people, uh, I've had someone who was down in Sydney, basically by the time they pee on the stick and they, the GP sends the referral, the midwifery group practice is full, even though at yeah, that time the person is like seven weeks or six weeks pregnant, yeah. which is so yeah, early. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we know that midwifery group practice, are they take a very small percentage of women because yeah. they don't have... Yeah. They, they just don't have the room, so they can only take a few women every month. So, yeah. Yeah, so you got in. Yeah, so I got in um, and I was in midwifery group practice for my pregnancy. Um, however, uh, we conceived in, kind of, I think it was September, and then COVID kind of hit in March. So um, we kind of went into lockdown after that. So my mm -hmm. partner was able to come to a few visits. He met the midwife um, and then... After March, it was he wasn't allowed to come to anything, so I was going to appointments by myself, which for me was really disappointing because I like I knew everything, <laughs> um, you know, like the midwife yeah. was saying, oh, you know what, you know they often give you antenatal education, like they yeah. go through different um, things with you at the appointment, and it's like, yeah, I know, like uh, I'm more here. It would be more beneficial if my partner was here because he yeah. needs to learn all this stuff. So, um, yeah, so the fact that he couldn't come to appointments was really frustrating for me. Um, but, you know, what can you do? 
Had you told your midwife that you were a midwife? Yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the conversation was like, oh, usually I'd go through this, but I mean, you you probably yeah. know that anyway. So yeah, yeah let's skip yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. So we ended up doing hypnobirthing. Um, so oh, I went cool. through and did the course with my partner. So that was more, yeah, I guess for him. But for me, it was it was quite, it was a lot of the concepts and ideas that I'd heard of, but I hadn't actually understood how to use them in practice. Mm-hmm. So doing the course with my partner was really beneficial for both of us to learn how we're going to go through labor together Mm -hmm. um, what techniques are we going to try what things have we got up our sleeves so so we did that virtually with um one of my colleagues so she was she's a hypnobirthing instructor so she yeah just did it over zoom with us over a Mm -hmm. few weekends and we learned all the techniques and the things that they give you through hypnobirthing they give you a big folder which has got you know everything written down and different scripts and stuff to use so that was really helpful yeah and then my so towards the end of the pregnancy I was really overdue (laughs) so I had an induction booked for 42 weeks and I birthed at 41 plus 6 just just on the cuff really not sleep yeah but I'd been I'd been in early labor for about three days beforehand right um and I was yeah I was really over it like it was really um almost spurious labor like you know contracting every 10 minutes and then it kind of fizzled out and then it would be every five minutes and then it would fizzle out and like it was just really random and yeah it was very annoying and I was doing everything. Like my <laughs> husband came with me for a walk down the street. So I was like, I gotta, I've got to get this baby out. I've got to get my labor going. Let's go for a walk. And I was like so slow, just like <laughs> hobbling along <laughs> and stopping each time I had a contraction. And Andy's just oh. like, yeah, cool. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a, a birth plan? Because you did hypnobirthing. Was that in line with maybe yeah. wanting an unmedicated birth or wanting to yeah, delay the epidural maybe? Yeah, so wanted an unmedicated birth and mm-hmm. was hoping to labor in the pool as well. So the hospital mm-hmm. I was birthing at, they have a birth pool, but you can only labor in it. You can't birth in it. So okay. for some reason they have a policy that they don't do water births, um, but you okay. can labor in, in the pool. So I was like, great, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. It was in and out of early labor for a while. We went to the hospital at one point because I was like, just a bit over it to be honest. <laughs> and they did a VE and they were like, oh, you're three centimetres, have some mm-hmm. panadine for it, go home and get some sleep. <laughs> so I did that and in the morning nothing had changed. Um, if anything, I was more tired. So we went back and I said, can you break my waters? Um, mm-hmm. And they were like, yep, that's fine. So had a VE, had an ARM, um, so artificial rupture of membranes, and mm-hmm. then that kind of kick-started everything. Uh-huh. Um, which is what I'd seen, I guess, in my practice as well, is that some women who are in that state of spurious labour or um, really irregular contractions is kind of once you break the waters and that head kind of pushes down onto the cervix, you could, that like that can really help labour progress. Yeah. Um, so I was really okay with that as in terms of intervention. I was like, mm-hmm. yep, I want this. I want an ARM to get things going, which luckily that's what happened. Um, because I was so post-dates, the midwives are like, oh, we need to do a continuous monitoring. Mm-hmm. So that would be the kind of CTG monitor while I'm in labour. I declined. I said, no. Yeah. Um, I said, you can just auscultate, um, which is, you know, just listening with the Doppler every now and again rather than mm-hmm. having the CTG strapped on. Mm-hmm. And because the baby's heart rate was fine, um, they agreed that that would be okay. 
Uh, so that allowed me to be in the shower for most of my labor, which was really comfortable for me. Like I just sat on a ball in the shower for nice. hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was in there for most of the day, I think. And oh, wow. I think when I started to transition, I was like, I want to go in the pool. Uh-huh. So then they, yeah, set that all up and had to waddle over to the other room where the pool was. I was labouring in there, I think, for about an hour and then oh. gave birth. Yeah. So wow. I tried the gas once and it just made me feel a bit dizzy. I was like, yeah, mm, thanks. Wow. So, so you did get your unmedicated birth. Amazing. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. So it was it was really cool. It was kind of a bit of disbelief for me, though, <laughs> um, that, like, when I was in the pool and I started pushing, I was like, wait, this can't be right. Am I am I falling? No one's checked me. I don't know what's going. Can I be? But it's just such an overwhelming urge to push. Like your yep. whole body is like, this is time. Let's go. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, whoa, is it? <laughs> so for me, it was like a bit of a weird experience because I had that clinical knowledge. I was like, oh well, you know, these certain things need to happen first, and um, you know, you should always do a VE, make sure the woman's fully before she starts pushing, and all this kind of stuff. And to not have those things happen, I was like, oh, this is oh, really? Oh, we're, okay. Oh. And like, you know, your body just takes over, so you just yeah. got to go with it. And then at the last minute, of course, the midwife was like, okay, you need to stand up. You can't give birth in the pool. Oh. And I was like really she's like yes, you need to stand up yeah i know so it was very annoying but i stood up so i birthed in the pool but not in the water <laughs> as young no. women young adults uh and that you have to discover later on in your adulthood and go oh I, i've had my period for 10 years and i've never known what ovulation was until now oh really <laughs> yeah so i had to stand up in the pool and birth so, yeah. policies right <laughs> I know, I know. Okay. So, yeah, and then I just had a second degree tear and a bit okay. of a PPH afterwards. So I lost just over 500 mil with blood. <laughs> okay. And yeah, we sutured, which to be honest was quite an experience um, because they made me, the midwife was like, oh, suck on the gas, that'll help mm-hmm. while you get your suturing done. And I was like, okay, sure. She's like, just deep breaths, keep going, keep going, keep going. But it just really spaced me out. I was mm. like, yeah. I don't know. It was weird. And yeah. And I could still feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. And obviously everything's so sensitive. Like you've just given birth, right? And then everything's mm. torn. And then they're trying to stitch it back together. And even though they fill it full of local anesthetic, I was like it was a weird time. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> like I wouldn't label it as traumatizing, but it yeah. was Yeah. It was not good. And, and as you said, you know, you've just you've just given birth, you're exhausted, now yeah. you've got your baby, but then you've still got someone in between your legs suturing and yeah yeah not pleasant yeah yeah and just like uh, I think that that gave me a different insight as well to what we do to women in hospitals mm-hmm. um, you know suturing post-birth I think could be gone about such a different way mm. like it just it's suddenly everything became so clinical and you know all the lights were on and suddenly I was breathing on this gas that made me feel really spaced out like it was just really yeah it didn't <laughs> Like the rest of my experience was lights down, everything mm-hmm. was dim and calm. It was just me and my partner. And and like that was it. Like me and my partner connected so well throughout the labour that that's what got me through. And and then to have, you know, all the lights on, everything happening, it was just, yeah, it was quite overwhelming. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. But we'd opted for an early discharge. So mm-hmm. after they'd sutured and said everything was fine, I was like, great, let's get out of here. So, so we were... 
I think we're in the hospital for six hours oh, and then perfect like six hours post-birth yeah and mm. then went home at 2 a.m oh, okay so, that's a because bit of but sure because of covid yeah well because of covid restrictions they were like you can go to the ward um but if you go uh your partner has to go home oh yes and i was like no i just want to go home let's get yeah. out of here we're trying to strap this baby into the car seat at 2 a.m it was freezing because it was oh. July, it was winter. Oh, yes. Oh. And it was 2 a.m. <laughs> like, oh, and we hadn't really figured out the car seat beforehand. Oh. I don't know why. Like, we'd had it installed and stuff, but we hadn't really played around with it. And so we're, like, fiddling with all the stuff, and the baby's crying. And I'm, like, just giving birth. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, oh, happy times. <laughs> it makes for yeah. a funny memory now, but at the time yeah, you're probably it. like... What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it was oh, well, wild. Yeah. How were you with um, feeding? Did you plan on breastfeeding or maybe just formula feeding? Or how were you with that? Yeah. So had planned on breastfeeding and had done a bunch of expressing antenatally as well mm. to kind of help with that. And yeah. And thankfully she latched really well. Yeah. It seemed to be feeding pretty well. So it was, yeah, we didn't really have any issues with breastfeeding early on. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. She was just massive. She was over four kilos when she was born. So. Um, well, she was born at almost 42 weeks. So, I mean, she would have been yeah, that's on the it. bigger side. Yeah. She, um, yeah. That's it. And yeah. so how did you find early motherhood? Cause you, you've got all this knowledge of, you know, well, yeah. both, you know, midwife, postpartum and, and dad. Uh, and then you've got this knowledge of babies and baby sleep how was it yeah it was it was interesting and because we were in COVID we didn't have a lot of family around Mm. that often like obviously you kind of have these ideas of what your early postpartum period would look like and that had kind of all changed due to COVID so it was really just me and my partner and to be honest that was fine like mm. it just meant there was there was no expectations. Like my baby slept on me for most of her her naps early yeah. on. Um, she we probably she lived in the carrier um, because the only thing you could do is go out for walks. Like you could exercise yeah. for an hour a day or something. Um, Great. So we put her in the carrier and we'd just go for walks and we'd just yeah. walk and walk and walk and every day that would be my thing. I'd go out and walk and we'd just cool. walk everywhere. Yeah, and it was great. Like, that's what we did. I'd walk yeah. to the shops. I'd, I just stuck her in the carrier and we went everywhere. That's it. I think um, for a lot of yeah. people, COVID was almost like a blessing in that um, mm. for their postpartum, there was no, you know, as you said, there's no expectation. There's no, oh, I need to I need to do the dishes. I need to clean the house. I need to, I need to entertain people. I need to have people around. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't have anyone so you're like well it's just going to be you know us learning to be a family of three and just me figuring out you know like sleep feed uh and taking my time and wearing whatever I feel like wearing and and no expectation as you said yeah and that was it and because my husband was working from home like he Mm. was around like I never felt particularly lonely because he was there and we, we had a big dog at the time and you know so like that early postpartum period was actually fine like yeah. I didn't feel particularly isolated or mm. we didn't and, and we were blessed in the terms that we didn't have any particular struggles like she fed really well you know my recovery was fine so it it kind of just worked for us yeah it was really great yeah I think it was it was more of a struggle when things started to open back up and <laughs> 
it was like, okay, what activities do we get involved in or what mm-hmm. things do we do and how do we reconnect with community? So, and we had lots of um, door drops, like lots of people would oh. um, yeah, come over and drop meals or, oh. you know, drop a gift or something, but it was all just dropped at the door and people would run away. Um, oh. So it was very odd. It was like, it was nice. It was lovely <laughs> that we had so many things, but yeah, it was just, it was a weird time. Yeah. That's really nice though. You know, even though it's yeah. very, yeah, you can't thank the yeah. person in person, um, yeah. but yeah, that's thoughtful. That's really nice. And, you know, as a first time mm. parents, it's like, oh, some, you know, meals don't have to think about dinner and gifts. Yeah. Great. Love it. Although I do remember watching a lot of Netflix, like a lot. <laughs> Like, because yeah. she would sleep on me, we'd just, yeah. we'd just be on the couch. Yeah. Like, and what what do you do? You need to be entertained. You watch Netflix. Whereas this time around, very different. Oh. Uh, having a toddler and yeah. yeah, just having obviously everything back open again. So my toddler, you know, she goes to story time and mainly music and whatever. And so it just becomes like more in and out of the car yep. so yeah it's a very different experience yeah it would be it would be less less, less restful yeah less restful that's right oh. bit, bit of a shame because you you'd need even more rest now that you've yeah. got a very active toddler and and a, yeah. you know i'm guessing your 11 week old is not sleeping through and you'd be maybe a bit sleep deprived as well yes yeah <laughs> so but it's okay we're getting there yeah yeah good it gets better right yeah yeah so how was the transition of you going okay I'm I'm really happy as a mom I'm I'm getting settled into motherhood to thinking okay let's expand the family what was that conversation like for you guys uh I think like we'd always planned on having more than one okay um so it was yeah, we want to have another one and we decided we wanted to have them kind of relatively close in age because mm-hmm. my husband, he's got a brother and sister, but there's a 10-year age gap. So he was okay. born 10 years later. Mm-hmm. So he, and whereas me and my siblings, we've got a two-year age gap. So okay. it's, we've got a really tight um, friendship. Like we, yeah. we hang out a lot, um, you know, see each other all the time, whereas he doesn't have that connection with his siblings. And yeah. so it was he was kind of saying yeah i want to i want our kids to have a closer connection um that would be really beautiful so he, he was kind of yeah we, we want to have kids a bit closer together so yeah so we decided we'd try for a second one i think when b uh, sorry our first daughter i don't know how old she was when we started trying actually but it was it would be that she would be about two when the next baby was born yeah. um, but we had a miscarriage Oh, um, so so we were we were doing natural family planning in between. Yes. Um, so we didn't use any contraception or only condoms when I was fertile, and we didn't yeah. want to have a baby. And so when we decided, yeah, we'll start trying, uh, we conceived straight away. But then I had a miscarriage, and oh. then we waited a month, and then we conceived the month after. Oh wow! Our current baby. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Was it a mis- miscarriage, or did you have a miscarriage? I guess early on in the pregnancy. It was it was early. I think it was about four weeks oh, when I yeah. lost the pregnancy. So yeah, it wasn't yeah it wasn't a like a particularly painful ordeal. I guess because yeah. um, the yeah it wasn't that developed. Yeah, but it was still a loss. Um, yeah, of course. And the day that I was bleeding, the day I had my miscarriage, I'd also found out I got a promotion at work. <laughs> so oh. it was a bit of an odd day. 
Oh wow! Those, those things always happen at once, doesn't it? It's like yeah, it was just a very weird emotional day. So. Oh wow! Yeah. So so you'd been back at work, knowing that you'd mm. go in maternity leave at at some point. Yes, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. yes. Were you back yes, at work for right. long before your next maternity leave? Yeah, yeah. It was over twelve months. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd just been working four days a week so I'd mm. gone back to work at three days and for six months and then back up to four which was my original contract um and got a promotion and then got pregnant so yeah wow <laughs> nice yeah so this time around again you're very informed what model of care mm. did you want for your second um daughter yeah yeah, so this time around I would have been happy with midwifery group practice had we not decided that this would be our last baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've decided that two is going to be our family. So yep. we decided that. So, yeah, so for me being a midwife and having that training, I actually would, I really wanted to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I really wanted that experience. So I had to convince my husband <laughs> Um, that took a bit of work <laughs> he was not so on board with the whole thing and uh-huh. um, he was just quite I guess concerned about the level of risk mm-hmm. and was uncertain that it would be the right thing to do mm-hmm. so we had lots of conversations about it and when we went to see our GP I said that I would like to have a home birth and she said her words were something like uh, if you choose to do that I cannot be involved you'll need to find somebody else okay. so so that didn't help my partner make the decision. <laughs> so then we had more conversations. In the meantime, while we were in the at the consult, the GP had said, look, I'll just put a referral through to the hospital that you birthed at previously um, as a backup, you know. Okay. And I was like, sure, whatever. So she did that. And then I started to look into it more about, you know, our options of a private midwife locally. Yeah, and had a few more conversations with my partner and in the meantime the hospital had contacted me um, and kind of had started that pathway back into midwifery group practice but I was still searching for a private midwife who would kind of suit our needs and suit our family and particularly someone that my partner would feel comfortable with so I I found a midwife and she did a, a kind of virtual consult with us just as a meet and greet kind of thing and was able to talk to my husband about his concerns and and what um, his fears were and that was really really helpful like she was just lovely and you know genuinely just really truthful in mm-hmm. what her experience had been and so it just made us feel I guess a bit more comfortable about home birth so yeah so once my husband had kind of gone away and thought about it spoken to some of his friends yeah he he decided yep yeah, okay let's do it. Um, so we contacted the private midwife and she started doing our antenatal consults at home, which was really mm-hmm. beautiful because then my toddler could be involved. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. So we, the hospital that I was previously birthed at, they still had a policy of no partners and no children in the mm-hmm. hospital. Well, no children, I understand. They're a bit of a germ yeah. first. Like, that's fair. You don't want them running around a hospital. Um, <laughs> but the partner thing, I was like, really? Yeah. So, but by having it at home... Yeah, it was just really beautiful. Like my toddler could be involved and um, my husband was there. So, yeah, it was really nice. Uh, we also had a student midwife who was with us for that. Oh, perfect. So she came to our house for all the, the visits. Yeah, so it was really cool. That's then, um, That would be an amazing experience for a student midwife too. Uh, was she there at your birth actually? 
She was, yeah. Oh, and that was her first birth that beautiful. she witnessed. So because she was um, first year. Yeah, so she's oh, really lovely. Um, wow. So I think she's a bit spoiled now. <laughs> having a, a home birth as her first birthing oh, experience. Yeah, because I don't think a lot of student midwives mm. see a home birth. No. They can see unmedicated, no. you know, birth, but I don't think they That's see right. a home birth yeah, yeah. that's i never that's saw amazing. as a student so yeah. there you go yeah yeah thank you and we need more private midwives so maybe it might convince her yes to go into <laughs> yeah, that path. yeah so then we we had to source a few things like we got a birth pool secondhand and you know got all the bits and pieces um, and a pool you could birth into this time mm, that's right yeah and i was just I think I was going into this pregnancy just so much more positive, knowing that I'd birthed before. Yeah. I was so confident that I knew I could do it. And nice. knowing that all I needed was my partner to get through labor, I was like, this is going to be fine. Like, there is no reason for me to birth in a hospital. Yeah. Like, all I need is you. We're going to do this together. Like, yeah. I really don't see the point in going to a hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I think that confidence that I had really helped my partner as well. Like, he yeah. was like, yeah, I know you can do this. I've seen you do it. We're going to be okay. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it was great. It was really great. So then when I started going to labour, we'd organised that my mum would come over. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to give birth during the day, then my daughter my older daughter was going to stay but if it was getting past her bedtime then she'd go with my mum back to their place to sleep Mm -hmm. because the last thing I wanted to have was a toddler who hasn't slept all night and a newborn (laughs) so yeah makes sense I was like yeah if it's getting too late she can go yeah so that happened it was um just after dinner and I was like yeah I think things are ramping up Um, so my mum ended up taking my older daughter with her back home so I think my mum was a bit disappointed she didn't get to witness the birth um, so but I was like sorry mum <laughs> so yeah so then I contacted our midwife and she came over shortly after and she brought the student mid- midwife as well and so it was just the four of us um, while I was laboring at home and it was awesome like I was just in my own space had my own music going just comfortable dark Mm -hmm. yeah it just worked really well for us I decided I wanted to get in the shower but our big concern my big concern was that if I used all the hot water in the shower we'd have no hot water to fill the pool yeah (laughs) so I was like should we fill the pool first and then I'll go in the shower Mm, and then I was like oh but then it then it might get cold by the time I want to get in I was like what am I gonna do and my husband was like look if you want to get in the shower just get in the shower I was like (laughs) that sounds great so, so I was laboring in the shower for a bit, got out and it was late. I think it was about 10 o'clock. Oh no, it was been early about 9.30. And the midwife was like, you should have a rest. Like see if you can just lie down in bed and just rest. And so I tried that. But obviously like my labor was really cracking on. Like I was just waking up with contractions mm. and, you know, breathing through them and everything. So it was, wasn't particularly restful, I'd say. <laughs> Um, and I think that was when I was going through transition, like things mm. were really happening and I was like, nah, this is, <laughs> yeah. so I don't, I don't know how long I was in bed for 20 minutes or something. And I got up and I was like, I, you know, I can't, I think I want to get in the pool. 
And the midwife was like, yep, you can get in the pool, but first you need to go to the toilet. You need to empty the bladder. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. fair. So I'm sitting on the toilet and then all I can hear is all this running around, like they're trying to fill the pool. So what had mm-hmm. happened is we'd half filled it with cold water okay. and then you're supposed to just fill the rest with hot water and then it mm-hmm. kind of, you know, evens out yeah. because you've got to have it at the right temperature to be able to birth mm. in it. Yeah. So they'd filled it up with hot water and it was still cold. <laughs> it was only oh. like 27 degrees or something. Oh. And so... So then they're trying to siphon out water to put in more hot water. So all I can hear is buckets, like people running around with buckets and things. And and meanwhile, I'm sitting on the toilet and I'm still labouring and it was so uncomfortable. And I felt like I was sitting on the toilet for ages because I just didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere. I was like, I just want to get in the pool. Like, can I just get in the pool? Yeah. And my husband kept coming back to me being like, no, no, it's still too cold. You just, just stay there for a minute. And I'm like, I just want to get in the pool. Like it's still cold, so then, oh, so then eventually they were like, "Okay, you can get the pulse." Thank goodness. So then I jumped in, and I was in there for twenty minutes, and then gave birth. So as soon as I, as soon as I got in the water, I started pushing. Like, wow! And she was born. So I was like, "Man, I should have asked for it earlier." But anyway, what a story. I know. Yeah. I feel like home yeah. birth and, and therefore water birth always make for the best stories of there's yeah. always a problem with the temperature of the water or the filling of the water. But we felt so organized. Like my husband had set it all up. We'd had everything. Like it was great. And he'd half filled it with cold water. He was like, yeah, we're ready to go. Like this is all perfect. Like as soon as you want to jump in, you know, it, it'll be ready to go. And then, yeah, just that. You know, little hiccup towards the end. Yes, yeah. little, but anyway, little hiccup. You almost yeah. gave birth on the toilet, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. And, and so, um, sorry, just want to come back to um, so your toddler was involved in like, well, antenatal appointments. Um, yeah. so you would have been comfortable with her being around during your labour in under, I guess, your your mom's supervision. Um, well, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I thought I would be more comfortable with it. But when I was actually contracting and I was kind of in that early labor stage, I felt myself really retreating. So Mm -hmm. I went, you know, I went into our bedroom to kind of get away from her, which I hadn't anticipated. Like I thought I'd be much more available and just, Mm. you know, be able to interact with everybody. But as soon as things started happening, I really kind of retreated into myself. And Mm. like my husband was kind of like, yeah, like, obviously it's like of course that would happen like you know you're trying to focus on what's going on and your body's doing this whole thing and and I'm like oh whatever you know like I just was quite optimistic about it and of course that's not how it went like my body was like no you need your own space you need to be in a quiet safe environment like just get rid of the noisy toddler so yeah yeah and I think like in as much as your husband supposedly knew that that would be yeah. the case. Yeah. I feel like you just don't know until you're actually yeah. birthing. Cause and like, you know, yeah. luckily my mum was just so great. Like she was just flexible. She's like, yep, whatever. If you need me to take her, I'll take her. Like, And I was like, great. That's what I need. Like yeah. I'd love for her to be there for the birth, but if, if it's going to upset her or if she's yeah. just not coping or if it's getting late, like, you yeah. know, just take her home. So that's what ended yeah. up happening yeah and and toddlers are so unpredictable like you know they've got to be in a, yeah, that's in right. a good mood um it's got to yeah. be a good day they've got to be rested <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. beautiful yeah. so did and, you know you were having and, another girl yeah we did yep 
Okay. Um, no. So I felt like we didn't for our first, we didn't know what okay. we were having, but for our second, I felt like I wanted to know so I could, I don't know, just prepare my daughter for what was happening. So we yeah, started talking true. about you're going to be a big sister, you're going to have a little sister. And yeah, I know, just kind of prepping her for that. And I, I guess also prepping myself, you know, having two girls, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So I don't know, it worked for us. Yeah having your baby how was the early postpartum did you have any tears or any blood loss yeah so I did lose a bit um (laughs) and the midwife was really good because I told her that I'd I'd had a loss with the Mm -hmm. um like a blood loss with the first baby um so I said I'm really I want to be really proactive with blood loss management postpartum so if you think um I was kind of happy to go for a natural third stage and delivering Mm -hmm. the placenta and everything but I said if I'm starting to bleed give me all the oxytocin drugs you can um (laughs) because I know I guess clinically I know the highest risk um in terms of a home birth is that postpartum blood loss like that's you know we did a case study at uni where a woman died um from a home birth because she'd had an unidentified PPH and so for me, that was kind of a bit of a fear. I was like, if I start mm. to bleed, I want you to be quite proactive in the management. And she was amazing. So she was like, yep. So I was in the pool when I gave birth uh, and she said, do you want to stay in the pool to birth your placenta? And I said, actually, yeah, I'm really comfortable here. That would be great. And then probably five minutes later, she said, look, you've actually lost a bit of blood. I'd like you mm-hmm. to get out so I can see what your loss is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, sounds great. So hopped out of the pool and we went to the bed that had been set up like it had all the you know towels and bluey sheets and everything so yeah so then she could kind of monitor what the loss was doing yeah Uh, I birthed my placenta and then she gave me I think she might have given me an oxytocin drug to clamp down the uterus before Mm -hmm. I delivered the placenta can't remember anyway and then she she actively kind of I guess pulled the placenta out and just gave my uterus a really good rub to kind of help it clamp down post birth Mm. so she reckons I lost I I did lose about 500 mils post birth and I was much more symptomatic this time so last Mm. birth I didn't feel that bad like I don't Mm -hmm. remember feeling that bad post this birth I felt quite dizzy and just just quite like almost like my blood pressure had gone yeah. through the floor like I just felt really yeah. like getting up was hard and mm. you know like yeah. it just was a really different experience um so I was really conscious of that that I had I did have a significant blood loss after birth yeah. so just tried to eat kind of more nourishing foods and that kind of thing um keep well hydrated um and luckily that kind of resolved relatively quickly if you you know I think that day four post birth I was feeling much much better so, when yeah. did the the meat happen between your Obviously, your toddler and and, and mm. your second daughter. Yeah, so we'd we'd rung everyone after the birth because it was about like eleven eleven p.m. when she was oh, born, yeah. ten past eleven when she was born. So then, yeah, we decided oh, it's not that late. We'll just call everyone. So yeah. obviously, rang my parents, told them what had happened. Um, so they were over at like eight a.m. the next morning <laughs> um, to to bring um, my older daughter over yeah. to meet the new baby. So yeah, which was really beautiful. Um, but yeah, obviously that disrupted our calm space. <laughs> it was yeah. chaotic from then on, but that was yeah. okay. We got there. It, it would have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my daughter, like she, I think she was really dysregulated for a few days, like those mm. early days. Um, yeah. Everything's been turned upside down. There's yeah. this new tiny human and mum's really tired. Like what's yeah. going on? Um, so for her, it was quite, uh, it took her a few days to really kind of settle. And since then she's been amazing. She's 
been quite good. It's like she has her moments, she has her days yeah. where she, you know, if I'm breastfeeding or I'm doing something with the baby, she can get quite upset, um, yeah. which is totally normal. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're just working through that as it happens. How much did you explain to your toddler in as much as she was probably like two uh, that mm. she was going to be a big sister and then mum was going to be busy, mum was going to be feeding, but mum's still there yeah. and obviously dad's obviously still there. And then how yeah. how was yeah. that, trying to explain it to a toddler? Yeah, we, we spoke to her a lot and we used some books. There's um, a house in mum's tummy or something, I can't remember, and there's a, a teeny tiny Stevie's song about, um, you know, a new baby coming into the house, a baby uh-huh. in mum's tummy. And so we used those kind of things to talk to her about what was going to happen. Yeah, and she, she understood and because she was a part of those antenatal visits, mm. you know, the midwife would come and check on the baby in mum's tummy. You know, I think she she really understood. Like she yeah. knew that there was a baby coming. Yeah. So, yeah, she did really well. Beautiful. Mm. And so how are you feeling now? You've got an almost three-month-old and then an almost three-year-old in, what, yeah. three months yeah. now? Um, yeah. How is all of that going? Yeah, it's actually going great. Like it's been a really beautiful postpartum time. So my husband took seven weeks off. Oh, so we nice. had two weeks and then he took some annual leave and stuff. So, yeah, so it, it was just a really beautiful family time in that, those early few weeks. And now we're just kind of adapting to him being at work and you okay. know, how, we go, how I'm managing both of them. But so far it's been okay. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. Husband's become a real advocate for home birth as well now. Like, um, has he? Well, yeah, like a, not. I guess not a major advocate, but like yeah. he's he's told people that our experience was really positive. You know, for us, it worked really well. Yeah. Um, you know that he found birthing at home and him having responsibilities as well. Like he mm-hmm. was responsible for the pool. Um, <laughs> you know, so he had a job to do throughout that. Yeah. and you know, and then even postnatally like as soon as I'd given birth like he was helping the midwife go and grab different things and Mm -hmm. you know he was able to do some stuff and and the other thing was that we'd given birth at like 11 and then at 2 a.m everybody had gone home and we were Mm -hmm. turning off the lights and going to bed and it was like just a weird moment that we had together of like oh we just did that we just had a baby (laughs) at home and now we're just going to sleep like this is wild (laughs) Um, yeah and he was like even that was awesome because you know, he didn't have that chaos of driving and, yeah. you know, checking in and, and whatever. Like, no, it was yeah. just, we were just home and it was, yeah. I think that's given him the opinion that not all births have to happen in the hospital. Um, that hospitals are there definitely for mm. for people who need it and that yeah. pregnancy can be really complicated and some people mm. really need that additional care, but not everybody needs to birth in a hospital. Exactly. So. I think as as women, obviously, we educate ourselves during during pregnancy or even before, and and we have because it's our body. We we feel the confidence to birth, like we know we can do it. Obviously, as as men, as partners, um, they, they they just don't have this physical. Um, I guess you know. Oh, I I, I feel I can do this, uh, and 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 I feel like a lot of society is telling us. Hospital is safe. Anything outside of, of hospital is not safe. And therefore, and that's, I mean, the GP you, you met with who said, I don't want anything to do with it. That's, I feel, a typical reaction. And from a medical yeah. professional who should know that a home birth has a place 
And again, it's about screening for risks. Um, it's about, mm. in your case, you had a private midwife. It wasn't a free birth. Um, and, right. and then it's about educating the woman and just making sure that they know. They know the potential risks and also potentially checking that they're close to a hospital if it needed to, yeah. you know, if transfer needed to happen. And then it can be extremely safe in certain circumstances, obviously. Mm. But yeah. when medical professionals straight away go home birth, oh, no, that's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Well, that's not, to me, that's not the right reaction. And they should yeah. know better, even, I feel. Even as a health professional, that's not the right reaction to yeah. anything that has yeah. potential risk. So even if, if somebody had come to me saying, no, we're going to do, I don't know, something, like you you want to explore it more, you would say, yeah. well, how did you come to that conclusion? Tell mm-hmm. me more about why you've made that decision, why you think that's right for your health. Um, you know, like you'd want to explore that a bit further, have a deeper understanding yeah. of why they've come to that decision, not just ingest fear and say, that's a terrible decision. Why did you do that? Like, exactly. you know, it's, it, yeah, there's a thousand different options that she could have chosen yeah. instead of mm. saying what she did. But there you go. That's what, that's what yeah. happens out in our medical field sometimes, and which is really disappointing. Yeah. Um, we often feel like we're the holders of all the information and all the power, yeah. um, which is not true, um, particularly being a maternal and child health nurse and working with families and community. I find a lot of families come to you kind of clinging, being like, yeah. please tell me what to do. And you have to kind of turn around and be like, no, you know your baby best. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. your body best. You tell me what you think is the right thing to do mm-hmm. or what you want to do with this problem that's that's arisen mm-hmm. and I'm here to support you I'm here mm-hmm. to encourage you I'm here to give you referrals or different options or things you might not have thought about but this decision lies with you and this yeah. um, you know this power lies with you this is your mm-hmm. decision your journey I'm just here to kind of support you in, in whatever direction you choose to take so that's my yeah that's my opinion of what health professionals yeah. should be but I know that's not, no, that's that's not and that's that's exactly what I think it should be too. It shouldn't be a medical professionals, regardless of what their profession is, shouldn't be saying to women, you need to do this or force things like induction or say you need to be induced or you need to have a C-section or you need, it's like, no, you don't. It's it's about educating and saying, here are your options. And then potentially if there is one that maybe seems to be the better option for maybe different circumstances, um, then maybe highlight why this could be yeah, the better option. But the woman is always and the educate. one deciding. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Like, you know, saying this is the pathway that we think things should yep. go because of mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z or what's happened in mm-hmm. your pregnancy. We think, you know, a Caesar is, is going to be the best, yep. safest option for your baby. But being able to outlay that and saying mm-hmm. this is why, these are the these yep. are the you know, factors that we think um, would lead us to this decision. Um, but this is your call, you yeah. know, this is your decision. Even giving more autonomy over, um, yeah. you know, intensive care would be amazing. But, you know, in hospitals we're quite regimented. Things need to happen a certain yeah. way. Things need to happen, um, you know, in, in such an order. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that partners still can't come to antenatal appointments, like it just becomes really restrictive. Um, yeah. And the woman just, you know, feels like she has to go along with it. You have to do what yeah. what is being presented to you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's really um, somewhere that, you know, our health system can really change and grow, particularly in um, that kind of, you know, area of pregnancy care and, and birth yeah. and postnatal. Yeah, and we need we need more health professionals like you that actually want to 
help the women and give them knowledge and power rather than ones that force things on women and tell them how it's going to be because it it fits with their schedule or it fits with just the way they want the birth to go. Are you planning on going back into being a midwife or are you happy as a um, maternal and child health nurse? Yeah, look, at the moment I'm happy as a maternal and child health nurse. Um, I did do some COVID vaccinating when I was on um, oh, nice. maternity leave. Yeah, in between. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, which was great. So I'm always open to it. Um, yep. Yeah, but at the moment I'm really happy in maternal and child health. It just has much more of a community focus where you're really supporting parents in their journey of parenthood um, rather than kind of a hospital system um, where you just, I guess, you get families in a really intense period in their life and then you kind of never see them again. Community practice is more of that ongoing relationship with families, which is really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of things we could change about the um, healthcare system and the the hospital yeah. system, but um, it's not going to happen overnight. So, in in every state, but is I do want to say that yeah, that midwives do an amazing job, and I know that like obviously our system has to change, but yeah. a lot of the midwives I've worked with in hospitals are amazing, and they offer just beautiful care to yeah. families who come through the door, um, yeah. and they really do try to give the most that they can in those those really brief interactions that you might have with the midwives um you know they do try and give as much love and education as possible um you know in those appointments or you know during labor and birth and so you know as much as our hospital system needs to change i think our midwives you know just the the calling that you have to support families through that transition um is massive like you just want to give and give and give and that's you know one of the the things that I didn't like about being in the hospital is that I felt like I couldn't be the best midwife that I could be. Like Mm. I wanted to give more. I wanted to be available Mm -hmm. for those parents, but you just can't like the time restrictions and the the hospital policies make it really difficult. But, you know, being a midwife, um, you know, you do want to actually give as much as you can. So, yeah. Yeah. And and see, I should have been the one saying that because I think that's something we spoke about when I called you that I think midwives, it's an underrated profession we don't appreciate the work you do enough Uh, and same for maternal and child health nurse actually it's also an underrated profession as well where we just go oh you're a nurse yeah okay but no like I feel like midwives are absolutely selfless people they will give you they will do anything for you to try and help you and especially we're talking about midwives potentially who have just met you five minutes ago you're in full-blown labor Um, they barely know you and they will do the absolute best, uh, you know, for the time they're here. I mean, at some point their shift ends, obviously, they have to go. But they will do their absolute best to support you, to be there for you, to be mm. physically present for 12 hours or more. And to, yeah. obviously, during this time, they're also looking out for anything that could go wrong at any point, And they're on the lookout for all of that while also caring for you uh, and trying to reassure provide education and and provide physical support and provide emotional support and it's a draining job and I can't even imagine what it's like to be a midwife but I thank all the midwives in Australia because your job is absolutely amazing and we need more midwives and we need more private midwives and we need more midwifery group practice so midwives actually meet you you know in second trimester or first trimester of pregnancy and they see you all the way until you've got your baby in your arms and you're six weeks postpartum or eight weeks and they can actually you know give you advice along the way and you develop a relationship and so on and it's it should be the standard but it's not (laughs) yeah yeah that's it 
Yeah. But yeah, we need more midwives. So please more midwives. <laughs> more people going to uni and training to be a midwife. Yeah. Who knows, we might have two more midwives coming. Maybe you might inspire your daughters to become midwives. Yeah, that's it. Maybe. <laughs> that's say, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, you know, when, when they hear that you're a midwife and maybe they, or, or maternal and child health nurse as well, obviously, um, you know, we know that sometimes the profession your parent does inspire the, mm, the, the kid to do the same you know um, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree sometimes yeah <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling your story and telling us you know everything about midwives and maternal child health nurse that's been amazing and an absolute wealth of knowledge about the home birth and the benefits it has for sure awesome thanks Lucia. <laughs> thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode If you want to get notified of when a new episode comes out, please subscribe to this show on your podcast listening platform. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or share this episode so that other mom can find it. If you would like to tell your own pregnancy, birth or parenting story, please head to the show notes and you will find a form there to get in touch with me. Again, thank you so much for listening. And I will be with you again next week for a new episode.